This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Violins and relevance. Do you know what those have in common, Tony? I do not. Well... Her name's Lindsay Sterling. We're going to be talking to a world-famous violinist today. We're also going to be talking about relevance because I think in everyone's career, there's this thing called relevance that we all chase, we all want, and we're going to get into it. Let's do it. Lindsay, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You are famous for playing the violin in very unusual ways or contexts, right? Yes. And do you like or not like that you're known as a violin being like an appendage in your life? Do you want to be known for other things? I mean, I feel like, well, it's funny because I feel like whenever I'm carrying my violin in public, I get recognized so often. And if I'm not, it's kind of actually nice. I can fly really well under the radar, but I am so, you know, attached to it in like the public eye that, uh, you know, and it, it doesn't really bother me. It's such a big part of my life. It's a huge part of the foundation of my art. So, you know, why not? (laughs) Because you rose to fame, uh, making it pretty far along on America's Got Talent, right? That was, I think the first time I like tipped my toe in the industry water. Um, you know, and I would say if that had been like, I could have very easily been like just a really quick flash in the pan. Um, if that was kind of what I saw as like my rise to fame moment, that makes sense. Yeah. But it wasn't. No, I feel like my like, like that may have been the first time some people heard of me, but my, I feel like my rise in the industry was definitely when I started my YouTube channel and when I kind of took my career into my own hands and stopped relying on other people to like make a moment for me. I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to make the moment for myself. And then you learn, oh, it's never about one moment. Like no, no reality show can ever actually make a career. It's about can you recreate and recreate the moment over and over and over again? And what was a moment in your career where you were like, I've made it, this is it. Like where you believed it at the time. I mean, honestly, I think when I got told that I was going on to the quarterfinals of America's Got Talent, I think that was the first time in my career that I thought, I've made it. This is, this is my moment, you know? And if I've made it this far, then, you know, I'm a shoe into the industry. Gotcha. But it just didn't. When did you realize that wasn't the way it would go? Well, after I was on the show, first of all, I didn't have the best experience. You know, I got kicked off in a pretty, for me, a very dramatic way, you know, on live television. um, I got told that I just didn't have what it took. I got told that I sounded like a bunch of rats being strangled while I played, like, you know, just super harsh criticism on live TV. And it was, and this was the first time I'd like, 
performed in front of anything larger than an open mic night, you know, and to go from feeling like I've made it and I've hit my moment to being kicked off the show in a, what I thought was such a humiliating way. Why was, was it so humiliating? Well, I mean, if you put yourself in my shoes, I was standing there listening to this terrible critique on live TV. Like I can see the red button on the camera, meaning live. I like look out, I can see my mom's eyes, like just the pain in her eyes as she's watching me go through this. I know that everybody, like I, everyone who knew me in my life was watching. I told everybody to tune in because I was so excited. Uh -uh. And so just the sheer humiliation of like, I've blown it. I'm not good enough. Like they're probably right. Um, you know, and it took me a while to like recover from that setback. Um, but did you have in your mind before that, like going in, like, I don't know. Are you spiritual? Do you believe in like yeah. higher power? Or Absolutely. Is it Jesus, God, like whatever? All of it. All yeah. of it. Okay. <laughs> so were you thinking like at some point when you were advancing, like, oh, the universe is giving me this and I have a good chance. I'm going to make it. Like, did you, were you trying to talk yourself into believing? Cause everyone says, if you believe it, it'll happen. Right. Absolutely. And very much so. I'm a very like religious and spiritual person. And, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because, um, in my religion, something they do or we do is you can get a blessing. And it's like when, you know, someone can, it's like a prayer from God to you. And so my dad gave me a blessing the night before I performed. And he said to me that God wants you to do well. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking in my mind, like, yes, if God wants me to do well, and if I have worked my tail off, like I had, I was like, then I'm going to, this is it. Yeah. Like I'm going to do amazing tomorrow night. And so I felt very betrayed by my conscience, by God, when I felt like I fell flat on my face yeah. and I left being humiliated. Um, and so it wasn't till years later, now down the road, like, you know, I'm about to go on my first tour. My first album had dropped and done way better than I'd ever expected. My tour was sold out before I even started it. And I just remember wow. being on the phone with my mom being like, I feel so blessed. Like, I can't believe that all of this is just like happening for me. And like, I'm so grateful. And she paused and she was like, do you remember what your dad said to you in that blessing? He said, the Lord wanted you to do well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I realized that, you know, so many times we have this short term perspective to me mm. in that moment, it meant you're going to kill it tomorrow. But like the blessing didn't say that it said like, God wants you to do well. And if I had won America's Got Talent, my career would have been over very fast. I just know I've, I've seen the paperwork I had already signed. Basically, if I had won, they would have owned me. Right. I never would have been able to start my YouTube channel. I never would have been able to be the free artist that I am right now and to create the way I want to. Like it would not have been a plan that would have worked for me. And God saw a much bigger picture for me. And you know, and whether it was God, the universe, whatever people believe, right. like we get so often stopped by our short view and like the blinders that we have on and we forget to look at the whole picture. Yeah. I've always, I, I remember in high school, we would pray. I went to a Catholic high school. So we would pray in the bus on the ride over. I did it. Well, I grew up Jewish and Lutheran. So like Jewthren. So it was a very <laughs> confusing upbringing. Plus I was gay. So like the combination of all of it was like, yeah, what, where am I? But we would pray and we had to do like, I don't know. It was like hail Mary, right. Or hail Mary full of grace. The Lord is with thee. by the way, I don't think God is like wanting me to say to him, hail Mary, my God or universe is like, stop praying to me and like live your life already. <laughs> like, why are you praying to me? You're good, man. Just get with it. But like, 
it's so funny in hindsight, like the idea that like God would go, I want you to win this basketball game. Right. I want you to hit this three pointer. It's just, it's crazy because yes. that would imply that there's favorites and that we're not all equal. And that in, and I do think that sometimes I've found uh, there's this idea of, of like praying or the blessing is just for that thing that we really want. Mm-hmm. But what we really want may not be that very thing, like you said. Right. That thing actually would have been terrible. Right. Because I don't, I'm not sure how many people have broke off that show and had massive success. Yeah, it's, um, it's really hard. Just any of those reality TV shows. Sorry, spoiler alert. But it's, you know, they have these really extreme contracts. I know. That I are, worked on X Factor for two years. Yeah, yes, same thing. Yeah. And if you win, it's... It's not good. You're owned. You're owned. You are owned. And and all the advance you have to basically pay back. So all that yes. money for wardrobe, flights, travel, everything, yeah. you're in the hole. Yeah. It's for a really long, hard it's to get really out. hard to get out of. So yeah, you're right. It's like sometimes the things we want so bad, we have no idea that there's something so much better for you. And sometimes life will help you in that way. And I, I was excited to talk to you, Dave, because I know you've been open about struggles with Eating disorders. Yes. Your own struggles. Mm -hmm. When did you start talking about it? You know, um, I started talking about it pretty early on in my career. I would say it was my second album that I decided, you know what, it's time to like tell this story. And the reason I decided that was because when I was really deep in the trenches of anorexia, one of the hardest things about it was the feeling of I am so alone Mm -hmm. and nobody could understand how I feel. And first of all, anytime we think that, that's never true. Like the feelings that we all have, like, yeah, maybe someone may not understand your exact situation and exactly what you are going through, but empathy isn't about situations and common experiences. It's about common feelings. Mm -hmm. And so we're never alone, first of all, but I wanted to share with people that like, I'm with you in this, like, this is how I felt. If you feel this way, like, you know, I just wanted to share my story. And so I started talking about it through a music video, first of all, that was like this ballerina that was trapped in a snow globe. And she was this image of perfection, but Mm. under the surface, she was broken. Um, And so pretty hurts Beyonce. Have you seen that? video? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Same idea of, you know, just like this porcelain shell, but like what's underneath and is that porcelain shell a protection or is it a cage, you know? And I realized that I thought my eating disorder was protecting me. And then I came to realize, oh my gosh, it's controlling me. It's not protecting me. Oh my gosh. It owns my life. Like, and I had to break free. And that's what the ballerina does in the story. She breaks free from her snow globe. Um, But that was the first time I did a metaphor for it. And then I started talking about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you struggled with your body, how you look? Uh, yeah, at one point I did. I think when right after high school, I was just like, I, I, I couldn't, uh, as much as I would eat, 
I could not gain weight. And the more I would stress about it, the more I would lose weight. Mm. So I, I, that was at a point where I was very, very skinny. I feel like I'm the opposite. Like I always thought I looked good even when I was chubby <laughs> or thin. Like, And then I look back at photos and I'm like, oh man, you were really big. But at the time I'm like, I kind of have had the attitude, this is it, this life. Yeah. And no one's even really thinking about me because everyone's just thinking about themselves. And it's, but it can feel extremely alone, you know, when you're just like hypercritical and a few events can happen, you know, breakups or someone dies that all of a sudden sends us down yeah. to where we kind of lose ourselves, you know? Absolutely. And that was the reason why I decided it was worth you know, when worth changing, worth all that work and all that mental exhaustion and just the willingness to be like, I am going to watch myself gain weight to be healthy because I realized I had just lost myself and I, you know, I wasn't happy. Like it had taken everything from me, including my relationships, because you cannot have a relationship if you're consumed by a mental disorder, whether it's anorexia or depression or like extreme anxiety, Mm -hmm. like they take so much of your mental focus that all you can worry about is just getting through the day. And I wanted to be healthy again because it destroyed my relationship with my sister and I no longer had passions. Like I didn't have time for anything else. What do you mean destroyed your relationship with your sister? She was my roommate in college and I just remember so specifically, like we were best friends growing up. I lived with her in college because we were best friends. And I remember really specifically a memory of hearing her and my roommates laughing in the other room. Just one of them was telling a funny story and Brooke, my sister, Mm. was telling a story. And then she came back into our room that we shared and she sat on the bed and just started doing her homework. And I looked at her and I thought, when was the last time we laughed together? I wish that she would tell me that story. But like, and I just realized like this wedge had come between us where she didn't feel connected to me enough to tell me whatever she'd told. And I didn't feel connected enough to her to even ask. And, you know, we, I just built this huge divide between us. And that was the moment where I was like, you know, I'd already kind of started to learn I was sick mentally, but that was the moment that I was like, I want to change. I've, I've lost way too much. How hard has it been? It was really hard at first. Like I remember such strange memories. This is before America's Got Talent. This was, re- yeah, this was before America's Got Talent. And I was still going through recovery. You know, I was still healing when right. I was on the show, but um, this is probably like a year prior. And um, I just have such vivid memories of like looking at myself in the mirror as like tears streamed down my face and just like trying to tell myself that I loved my body. Like I, I loved my body, you know, my body is strong. Like I love what my body can do. Like I remember crying when I hit a hundred pounds on a scale, like just such, you know, like letting numbers and things like that control your life. Um, it was really hard because it was a choice you had to make every day to sit down and thank God for the food that was in front of me and that I had it and that it was going to give nourishment to my body. And I'd force myself to eat it, you know, like that was how did you not stay? Cause it seems like you're, you're not in a victim mindset around it. Like no. you're, you're, you it seems like you're in control of it, right? Like the way you're talking about it oh. from someone, it's easy to blame, right? It's easy to blame the industry, um, yes. trying to be an entertain. Like it's easy for the brain to go there. Right. Right. Yes. And I, it's funny. I went to therapy a lot for this and I never found a reason, a moment, anything, you know, since I have discovered, I think I know where it 
you know, might have sprouted from. I think I know. It took me a long time to figure it out. But for me, it was just about... um, I, I'm so grateful. I read this book called Life Without Ed, Life Without Your Eating Disorder mm. is basically what it stands for. And this girl writes about how she had decided to name her eating disorder. She named it Ed and she personified it. And suddenly that realization in my mind of like, oh my gosh, I can separate myself from Ed. And it's not that I am broken. It's not that a piece mm-hmm. of me is destroyed. It's that there is something that has come into me that doesn't belong and I'm going to put it out and I'm going to talk to it. And I would have conversations with Ed and be like, I don't deserve to be talked to like that. Like you can't treat me like this anymore. Mm. And so it kind of took it out. And that's what got the blame. That's what got the, like, this is your fault. Right. It wasn't, I stopped. Well, I tried to stop blaming myself Yeah. and blaming the outside situations. And it became, this is Ed's fault and I'm not accepting you. And then you kind of view, you're supposed to view it as a dysfunctional relationship. Right. That's like abusive. and. Would you take that from a person? Hopefully not. I'm not going to take it from yeah, my own I, mind. I, my, the first uh, book I wrote is called Best Self. And the best, the, my best self is a wizard. And the anti-self is a male witch. You create a, a character that represents whatever your anti-self is. Yeah. And it's a way of separating from the uh, blame of self and creating a character that you can kind of talk to or speak to or even have some humor with. That yeah. Because... You know, if it's if there's no fun or humor or anything that it starts to become just like ugh, painful and awful. I started off talking to you today about relevance and I have to imagine it's it's I'm interested in how do you stay relevant in your art? In general, and Tony also uh, makes videos. I have a career, right? We all we all, to some degree, the more relevant you are in any industry, even if you cut hair, mm-hmm. yeah. the more you're that hot hairdresser who everyone wants, you're more relevant, right? Yeah. Facts. And like, where where do you go with this around like relevance and trying, because it's this weird thing about getting people to want you, right? Yes. And I think that today with social media, it's all the more obvious when people want you and when they don't or when they're paying attention or when they're not. And, you know, I don't think that's the healthiest thing, you know, for anyone to constantly be evaluating, you know, to sadly our worth oftentimes. I know my worth sometimes gets all wrapped up in that. And if in the numbers, in the numbers, and I have to like really work to not let the two be connected because that's my art. It's not my worth. It's also not my happiness, you know, and too often it all gets kind of wound up and tangled together. But it's been interesting over the last decade. You know, I've been doing social media for over a decade now. And I was actually talking to some of my YouTuber friends that were there with me in the very beginning when YouTube was just becoming a thing. And, you know, I had been on MySpace then YouTube, then Facebook, then Instagram. And it's interesting how you have to learn to reinvent yourself on every single platform. And no platform is the same. They each have their own culture. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, well, how can I make myself as a violinist be appealing through video? That was YouTube. Now, then Instagram. Okay, how can I make it seem interesting through just photos? Then there's TikTok. How can I make it seem like I don't care, you know, and I'm (laughs) funny, but like I'm really trying hard, but no one can know that I'm trying hard. You know, you have to learn this culture that's in every single one of them. And me and my YouTuber friends are just like, I am so exhausted from reinventing myself. Which is your favorite (laughs) platform? Um, I mean, by far, my favorite's YouTube. 
How about you, Tony? Uh, for sure, it's probably Facebook. But I, I will say this, and I feel very lucky enough to like have been one of the, the one of the maybe like five thousand. I saw your ice video, <gasps> b- before it even had even the 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 millions that it had. No way! I was one of the first ones because I was I was listening to a, a lot of Final Fantasy, the game, the music, mm-hmm. and I was listening mm-hmm. to Kingdom Hearts. Gotcha. So yeah, I came across your video, the ice one, and I was just like in complete awe like you were for sure like one of my top picks on my youtube so yeah so i I feel very like so that's (laughs) awesome and it's crazy how things have changed since then yes like how social media because before you would upload a video and it was like all right now it's like you have to put in so much work yes i mean it was like the difference of i would put in all this work to one video but i'd upload it and be like okay you know my social media is done for like the month (laughs) and you know maybe two months but now it's really like like i woke up this morning and before this was like what can i do on tiktok today yeah you know what can i do in the next two hours before i've got an interview um you know and to think like that is just a different way it's crazy too like i've i talked to tony about it he a year ago I didn't have any followers on TikTok. I had like 60. Yeah. And now I have like almost 300,000 or whatever. Woo-woo. But mainly mm-hmm. it's because I'll do a transition for, on TV on Dr. Film <laughs> in a suit, right? Uh-huh. And then in my backyard, I'm in a Speedo. So literally I do a transition from suit to Speedo. And without question, the one we did recently got almost 5 million views. Yeah. It's oh, stupid. Yeah. I know you should have brought the violin <laughs> and we could have done a suit to Speedo with the violin. <laughs> Because it would have been a smash hit. It would have hit hard. You know what I mean? But that has nothing to do with my career. Like, that has nothing to do with actually mental health, self-help. And the reality is I find that when I'm passionate about a certain subject, it doesn't get great engagement. I'll get great engagement by doing a lot of things that have nothing to do with my career. And I don't want to turn into one of those self-help people that's like, just believe it. You want to make more money? I didn't come from money and I didn't believe I came from money, but money, money's not everything. It's about the legacy you live. Like I can't do that shit ever. You know what I mean? It's like, Tony's tried to make me. Yeah, no, for sure. Whenever I, I I try to make you do the whole, I'll take naps not to do that. (laughs) Remember when you tried to get me to do it and I'd get exhausted because it's like, I can't do this thing that we think people want to see Yeah. or give five tips on depression. I give five tips on depression. No one cares. It's, it's the truth. If I but on TV, they care. If I'm on Dr. Phil, if I write in books, they care. Right. But online, the social media audience is so in each different category, they're so different. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything that you post that you that you still post to this day that you're just like, I don't want to do this, but it works? You know, it's I would say just getting on TikTok was that was so painful for me because I was reviewing it and I was learning the culture of it. And I was just like, I just don't like the content that's on here. It was so painful to join. I will say, though, it was cringy in the first, you know, but the thing is, for the first while I was posting, they weren't doing well because I think everyone can just tell when you think it's cringy. Everyone can they see through it. Even though I was trying to do the things all the kids were doing and it started to like, I mean, I'm not a master at it, but it started to work for me once I figured out, okay, what would Lindsay Sterling do on TikTok? Mm. Like with this culture, like what would I do? And then it started to become fun. And then they started to do better. And so it's like, 
you know, I still combine, like almost all my posts have a violin in them somehow taking the trend and then being like, well, okay, they're all doing backbends. I can do it with a violin, you know? So it's been fun, but yes, it was so hard at first to like force myself to go on there and then figure out how to be Lindsay on there was when it worked. And then some of them are hot and then they die. It's almost like you can have a ton of momentum on certain platforms. And then all of a sudden, no one cares anymore all of a sudden or it doesn't get to anyone. (laughs) I'm like, I'm newer to this. And I'm just like, the the challenge to me, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, Lindsay or Tony, is what I don't love about social media is the narcissism I feel around Mm -hmm. it. I start to find myself to be insufferable where I'm like consumed I'm a brand where I need to put my brand out there. Yeah. And sometimes I would rather just like, no, I don't want to have to come up with content, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then that, and then it's figuring out, okay, what's on brand? What's off brand? (laughs) What's appropriate? What's not, it's just a lot. And then figuring out a caption. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. The caption. Sometimes I just put a smiley face. That's it. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Do you find that there's a degree in narcissism with like growing a brand that do you ever feel that way where you're just like, God, I'm, it's all about me? Yes. A hundred percent. I feel like that's one of the hard things about social media is it's marketing yourself for anyone, an influencer, an artist, a musician, a podcast, you're marketing you. And it's hard not to just get wrapped up in that. And actually years ago, and I need to do more of this, but years ago when I had first started doing all this social media, I invented an alter ego because I was so sick of talking about myself. Mm. And so I invented my number one fan. Her name is Felba. My fans love her. And she goes around and she will promote me in really dorky ways. Honestly, Felba is probably a better indication of who I am inside than the violinist Lindsay Sterling is. Um, It's like my dorky side gets to come out, but also it was fun to talk about Lindsay Sterling. But would you talk about Lindsay Sterling on social media through Felba? Yeah. So I did, I used to do a lot of YouTube videos of it and like, she would go out and promote like, and I would go out in public to like random people and be giving away my album, but talking about this amazing violinist. And so people just were like, okay, like, that's awesome. <laughs> but it also, that helped me kind of step away from the narcissism and not take myself too seriously. Right. Cause it can't, you start to take, I know I can start to take myself too seriously all of a sudden and be like, oh, I'm wrapped up in here too much. You know? And how do you not wrap up in there? How do you free yourself of that? How do I free myself from that? Um, you know, I think that I free myself from all of it. And that's the comparison game, the narcissism. Yeah. I, I feel like I free myself the best from that when I connect with individual people, whether it's like my family and like I look into the eyes of my nieces and right. realize that it doesn't matter. Like all this other stuff, it matters, but it doesn't. Cause like right now my niece and I are having this great moment. She thinks I'm, you know, the coolest aunt in the world, or it's connecting with one fan, like by reading a story that they sent me through an email that meant a lot to them. And you realize this is about people, like all those numbers, all those millions, whatever they are, this, they're all individual people. Mm. And when you see people as people, it's kind of like the same way you break up mob, mob mentality is you individualize people. And I feel like that kind of gets me out of my own, whether it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not as you know great as that person or like I'm not, you know, it takes me out of all of that or the narcissism, whatever extreme I've gone to. Remembering it's about people and these people come to my show and I get to have like I get to look in their eyes and have a moment with them. That that pulls you out. It pulls me out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I got to ask, what's like just flat out hearing a lot about your past and like everything that you've gone through. What's one decision that you've made in your life that's like changed your life for the better? Like you can look back at everything for the past decade and say, the one decision I made is this. The one decision I made. Um, oof. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I can think. Of, okay. I'm going to say. Hold on. I feel like we need some suspense. Like, I know, right? This is a moment we're getting an exclusive. Of the one decision that Lindsay Sterling has made in yes. the last decade that's changed her life. Okay. Go, Lindsay. All right. Um, I would say, to be honest, I decided early on when I first started touring that I wanted my tour to feel like family. I wanted, um, you know, and even my management team, I wanted them to feel like family. So still to this day, like through the pandemic, my crew and I like, you know, the, the a lot of artists don't even know their crew and, you know, to each their own, but I am such good friends with them. And we have mm. such a culture of family on tour and equality, whether you're setting up the lights or setting up the drum kit or. Do you think you made that decision because you were on America's Got Talent and it felt so transactional or sterile that you were started to think, oh, what do I really want and need around me? Like it, it re inspired you in a different yeah. type of way. Very possibly. I think that could be a big thing of just like feeling so much like just a check, a task yeah. to someone. Um, and I also just think the way that, um, I was so scared to tour at first. Like I'm a very like nervous person, you know, and I was just terrified. And so I thought to myself, the only way I'm going to survive is if these guys are my friends. And to this day, it's been that way. And, um, and honestly, I think that has made me stay sane. Oh, they keep me grounded because they're not, I'm not like boss lady. They're not afraid of me. <laughs> like, right. you know, they don't tiptoe around my feelings or my ego like at all. And if I ever get an ego, they will squash it and make fun of me till, like, you know what I mean? And I think that's kept me very grounded both from my management team side to my touring side, you know, cause these are the people that I spend the most time you're with. You're going on tour soon, right? I am. Starting when? What's the first date of tour? July 3rd. July 3rd. And how long is the tour? Um, It goes till September. Are you on a tour bus? Yes. Ugh. Oh, no. The, no. <laughs> oh, ah, I've done it. Ah, the best. I did one night and then I, I, with an artist and then I just paid for things on my own dime. I could not do it. I flow around from really? city yeah, to hub really? to hub to hub. Oh, see, well, I actually in the like back. it. You're, okay, so let's oh, talk okay, about okay. how a tour bus is set up okay. normally. You're going to expose yeah, me. Yeah, because I've never yeah. been in one, so explain, please. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> they, well, I do think this is my own opinion, okay. that there's this idea that they're so fabulous, but I think you have no choice if you go on tour but to believe that, because otherwise it's going to be a lousy experience. Now, I may be high maintenance. Well, I am high maintenance. <laughs> so... It doesn't have a lot of the luxuries that I like when I travel. And I also don't like um, waking up in the morning and just seeing other people, right? But essentially, the buses I went on had bunks. How tall are you, too? Six, five. That makes a huge difference. I'm like five, four. But you also have the, in the back is like the grand suite for the artist. Mm. And then everyone else <laughs> sleeps in like, I don't know if it's the movie Alien when they're in these little capsules. Wow. You're in these little capsules and the bus moves back and forth. It but rocks the, you to sleep. But the person in the back That's so has comfort because they're in a bigger bed, you know. He's calling me out hardcore. <laughs> how, how many people travel on your bus? Oh, gosh. We have, I think... Um, we have 10 on my bus. 10 on your bus. I think so. Yeah. 
I have That's a lot that. of people. It, it's kind of, it reminds me of like. It's I'm, like summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I see. With adults. I will say, I do get the little room in the back, which makes it so much more convenient. I have, you know, I can put out my bags and stuff, unlike the bunks. But I will say the first two years I toured, I didn't want the room in the back because like I said, I wanted to be like equal with everybody. And then I was so exhausted. I was like, I'm taking the room in the back, but I know how it is to sleep in bunks. I did it. And what'd you think? (laughs) I didn't mind it. I think because I'm so little, but I know that like my drummer feels differently. He's six two, you know, what city are you starting in? We're starting in Kansas City. Got it. And then where do you end up at by the end of it? Milwaukee, says how the little cities, voice off the side. Do you know how many side. cities you're doing? Oh, you're asking hard hitting. 35. 35 <laughs> cities. And is it is it theaters or? A lot of them are outdoor, like amphitheaters and a few theaters. We try right to on. do mostly outdoors uh, just for. And how many, typically, how many shows a week would you do? We usually do like five. You do five. Yeah. Oh, the cool thing is, I mean, your hands have got to hurt. My. Um, because with the vocal, you know, vocalists, right, it's their I, voice. With you, it's probably your neck. Yes. Shoulders or hands or. It's my neck and my back. I do a lot of dancing too. So I'm like jumping around and doing back bends. And so it's my, it's definitely my back and my neck. But I remember my agents being very excited. They're like, she doesn't need vocal rest. <laughs> yeah, because people cancel all Thunder the time. Out. And the worst yeah. is when you travel. I've I've been with a bunch of artists on tour all, all over. Uh-huh. And the and the worst part is everyone's mood is affected by that person's mood who is performing. So if the performer, let's say, gets mm-hmm. sick on tour, oh, it's, it's miserable bad. for everyone. Yeah. They have to cut out three, four songs. How are they going to mix this? They don't want to do a walkthrough the day before. Blah, 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 blah. Champagne problems, right? But <laughs> if they cancel shows, you know, it's a huge loss for them. Yes, yes. Right? Because they're paying for everyone in advance. And so it's great that it's, unless you get, I mean, your arms, you know, and your neck need to be protected at all times. She should walk around in a bubble suit in between <laughs> right, cities. Or just like full body cast for my arms. Just Yeah, you probably shouldn't do like rock climbing while you're on tour. I have tried a couple times. One time I did try to go rock climbing. And one time I tried to go ice skating and my tour manager saw the text that I sent out to the other people. And he's like, absolutely not. Oh my God. <laughs> What's the tour called? Um, the Artemis tour. That's my most recent album. Artemis? Um, Artemis. Like the Greek goddess of the moon. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. And, then, and, and like, do you do meet and greets on tours? I do. Yes. And is the violin with you during the meet and greet? No, it is. Well, part of it. I I meet them and we take a picture, you know, do a brief chat. And then I'll go in and do like a small intimate performance for like the group of them. Is there, I feel like the only other person, and this is totally overgeneralizing, but because you're in such a niche, right? It's like, I mean, what would we even call this genre? (laughs) I, I usually just like, I'm electric violinist. Electric violinist. But like you can jam on like anything yeah right so like i don't know why i have this image that like the only other electrical violinist who's at her level is in like russia or the (laughs) ukraine i don't know why sounds totally bad but i feel like it's such a unique yes thank you thank you so much i know there's like a guy in germany and i think there is a gal in russia i've never heard of him has anyone ever tried to come for your gig (laughs) 
You know what? Every once in a while I see people trying to come up and snatch it. Mostly though, what I see is... What do you mean? (laughs) They're trying to... They're trying to take over my spot. <laughs> but I will can. say the the fun thing is, is I see a lot of little girls that are like playing the violin and they're also taking dance lessons. And so they'll come to my meet and greets and I'll be like, I'm Aww. in ballet and I'm playing the violin because I want to dance and play like you. And I just Aww. like that makes my heart so happy. And I'm like, you know, they will probably be better than me. But by then I'll be like, yeah, I'll be good to hand over my <laughs> You'll crown. be legendary. Yes, I'll, I'll be like, ah, are, take it over. What are your shows like? Like if someone comes for an experience where they like you know i think people are always pretty surprised at the shows like whenever they come for like a first show because i remember one time actually i i forget why this was a long time ago but i was using the bathroom out near the audience and so some people some fans were in this bathroom before the show and i heard them being like do you think she'll move like in the show do you think she'll dance at all like she does in her videos and they're like i don't know like maybe she'll she'll probably like move around a little bit but like no she's playing a violin and I just kind of giggled to myself because I was like, oh, they're going to be so surprised. Because I jump all over that stage and there's choreo, there's dancers. I love theatricality. So there's fun costume changes, lots of sparkles, props, you know, but also my lighting guy was Skrillex lighting guy before my before me. And so there's also this like big EDM energy, energy of like this light show, too. And how long are your shows? An hour and a half. And is there an opening act? Yes, we have a uh, Kaiza coming out this time, which she's awesome. And she's quite, she's a lot of energy too. That's amazing. So, but so she'll be on a bus, she'll be traveling, you'll be traveling. How excited are you now that you can do shows? Like, it had oh. to suck during COVID. Oh, it was such a bummer. I mean, I was on a flight to, um, where was I going? Bogota, Colombia, mm. when the US basically shut down. And so I got a text while I'm on my way to start my whole South American tour. We'd been prepping for like a whole, you know, for a while for this tour. I'd been in rehearsals and we haven't even landed there. And they're like, when you get there, your tour has been canceled, get your bags and come home. And you know, so going from this mindset of like, no, no, I'm about to go on a, basically a world tour. They're like, nope, you're not, you know, coming home and then sitting at home. It was really difficult. I feel like I've been able to do some things this last year that I never would have been able to do if I hadn't had, you know, this time off the road and uh but gosh i'm so excited to get back out there yeah i bet where are you performing in la yes we'll have to have you come out yeah where is it it's at the microsoft oh she's bringing some technology into the mix that should be nice that's Um, right you brought up the little girls that you know that dance like you and that play the violin and you know they want to be like you to any girl or boy out there who wants to pick up a violin and play and be a star like you, what would you recommend them? Oh, I would recommend them. You know, my experience was I learned violin first and I learned violin super well. And I wouldn't recommend anyone, like whether you're learning dance at the same time or not, I would not recommend doing the two together until you've gotten (laughs) both of them well under your, you know, under your feet and fingers. When did you learn how to play the violin? Like, like when did you start taking lessons and when did you know, like you were good? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I started taking lessons when I was six because I wanted them. Like I begged my parents for lessons as a six year old. Um, and then I honestly didn't know I was good until I like, well, and I like, what is good? I was always decent. Like I was always the first chair violinist, but you know, I, you throw me in with the great violinist, like at the state orchestra. Yes, that's a thing. (laughs) Same way there's state track meets and there's state orchestra for the nerds. That's me. Um, You know, like I definitely was probably, you know, mid tier there. And so I never really considered myself a great violinist. Um, And 
you know, until I started being really creative with it. And that's when, you know, and still to this day, I don't see myself as a great violinist. I see myself as really? a really creative violinist that um, isn't afraid to put myself out there. Well, your your art, you love your art. I love my but art. But your art has many elements to it. It's not yes. just the sound. I mean, the, the reality is that's the truth. You could be the best singer today. Doesn't mean, you could be right. the best singer, but you may just end up at a church. You know, you may right. not end up being, you have to have the full package. I mean, you, you have to be able to do a lot and push yourself right. and reinvent. Re I mean, reinvention is. Yeah. Were your parents supportive? One, like you, yes. when you told them like, hey, I want to do this and I want to go full throttle with it. I want to be a star. And were they supportive? I mean, not surprisingly, my parents have always been so supportive of like creativity. Like from the time I was a kid, my mom was teaching me how to sew and make my own costumes. And, you know, my dad was a writer and he would read me his screenplays as a child. So like creativity was always a part of our home. And yeah, they were so supportive when I was because also I had just pretty much almost finished school to be a therapist when I was like, by the way, I'm going to chase a dream of being a dancing electronic violinist. And they were funny because my mom now, when I've asked her about it, like, were you terrified? She's like, yes and no. She's like, I was terrified for your journey and what that would be. She's like, but I always knew you could do it. Well, I have one last question because uh -huh. we're almost to the end. If you were not, if Lindsey Sterling was not playing the violin what, or even an instrument, what would you be doing? You know what? I honestly think I would be, um, I think I would be a therapist. I'd be a recreational oh. therapist working with uh, troubled teenagers at in-house treatment centers. So that's what I was going to do with my career before. But I also am like 99% sure I would have like three kids and I'd be like, you know, a soccer mom. I'm pretty oh, sure that's what I would be. <laughs> soccer mom, huh? I Absolutely. That. I could see that. Like yeah. bringing like, I feel like you would probably... You know how they bring refreshments or snacks afterwards? Oh, absolutely. I feel like you would have home-baked goods. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. By the way, if you ever want to really make someone in LA feel special, what? But make home-baked goods. Yeah. I have been shocked the few like in I lived in Utah for a while, lived in grew up in Arizona. Everybody does it so much there. It's like, oh, someone made me cookies, you know. But like bringing someone no one does that no here. one does yeah. that here no one does that in la i brought them to a producer one time just he put in a lot of extra time on yeah. the project and i brought him homemade cookies and he just like asked me like three times you made these and he was like i'm so touched he was like <laughs> so anyways hot tip for anybody in la yeah you're right that's a that's great a good, idea that a good one make someone some i remember my, my jiu-jitsu professor made me a vegan carrot cake and oh. i was like Oh my God, you made me yeah. carrot cake. I mean, he made deal. a big batch, but I was just like, he gave me a slice of it. And it was, it was almost <laughs> like, I was like, I, f I felt it was like better than like an expensive gift. Yes. It's like they put time into that and he made it for you rather than just ordering you some really cool. And it's actually food is one of those things that if you're giving it to someone, you're actually putting it inside their body. Mm -hmm. oh. Everything else doesn't yeah. matter, but you're putting those nutrients in them. Very, yeah, it's very sensual. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking it was very good for the body. Yeah, yes, that too. <laughs> and then uh, you have a new single out. Yes, I do. And what's it called? It's called Lose You Now. And um, it's a collaboration with an artist named Mako. And we wrote it together. And it's a song about loss and about my experience of like losing my dad and my best friend. But also it's a very hopeful 
like it's very uplifting. It's not like a sad. I've written sad songs about loss, but this one's like a joyful. This one's like the balloon is going into the air, but then once it gets into the air, it turns into a cloud. And then it's almost like it's raining rainbows. And everyone's like, oh my God, I didn't know loss could be so special. I think he just directed your music video. I was just going to say, do you direct music videos? Yeah, right. (laughs) I think he just like laid it out perfectly. No, but it's it's like a healthier freeing loss yeah because loss goes through phases and when I, sure. I mean at first it was just sickening feeling all the time and yeah. depression and it's like it was heaviness and now loss is something that i look at with very different eyes it's like yeah. i can look at pictures of you know them and i can be filled with sweet memories rather than pain and i feel like they're still a part of my life as my angels now and Yes, I would rather have them here, but it gives a much more hopeful perspective to it, you know, with time for anyone who's ever gone through loss. And um, that's what I wanted this song to represent. So anyways, it's really special to me. It's called Lose You Now. Cool. Check it out. And and for everyone who wants to check out your tour, best way to find out about it is where? LindsaySterling.com. And if you guys go to, which we'll go to the LA show, Tony. Yes. yes I'm please so go. down. Well, what, like when you come to a Lindsay Sterling show, like what's the attire? What's the outfit? Um, preferably cosplay of your favorite Lizzie Sterling uh, video. Ooh, okay. <laughs> That's some next level shit. Oh, we There's a go challenge for you. <laughs> we gotta go out. Challenge. <laughs> well, thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for or, coming or out. Or what you're wearing is also completely. Yeah, this could work too. Yeah, I decided I was telling Stephanie, our producer, ahead of time. I'm every day this week. I'm just wearing matching clothes. I've yeah. just made a decision. I, like I have it. a ton of matching outfits, and I and I just realized like this. It was like today. Actually, I realized it. I tweeted it out. I was like, I don't remember. I said something along the lines of like, dress however you want and uh, just show up. No one is thinking about you. It's true. Yeah. We think way too much about these things. We think about ourselves so much. Could you imagine other people are thinking about us that much? Right. Yeah. So it's like, just be free, you know? And thank you. I loved having you. You're welcome back anytime. And everyone go check out our tour. Thanks for having me. All right. Where can we find you on social media? Lindsay Sterling. Lindsay Sterling on all all the things. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, (sighs) Facebook, MySpace. All of them. (laughs) All right, right, guys. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in to Always Evolving. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnoses, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.